0: Well, let's go to Revelation chapter two. Let's read twelve through seventeen again. We started this last week and didn't quite get through it all, so I'll try to get speed through the first half real quick and then and then get to where where we finished up. Revelation chapter two verse twelve. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write: These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the church of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear with the spirit that Spirit saith unto the churches, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. So we started last week, and we're looking at a church here that is being compromised, they're being compromised, they, um, they're they living in Pergamos. We talked about Pergamus being a, a political capital of the Roman Empire. The political influences that would have been there, the idol influences that would have been there, being uh, Roman, of course you have all the idols that come with that. We talked about some of the specific idols that would have been prominent in Pergamos. Um, uh, da, 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 da. where's my notes Asclepius remember we talked about Asclepius the uh, the uh, healer uh, the healing idol remember the snake being wrapped around the pole it is used even today for our medical profession that snake represents Asclepius and they had a temple there in Pergamos that people would go to if they were sick and the uh, I want to call them priests there, and that's probably not the right term, but the people there would take the the sick people into this dark room, and they would lay on the floor and spend the night, and in this dark room were just hundreds or a lot of non-poisonous snakes, and you slept there hoping that one of these snakes would roll across you, uh, hoping that Asclepius would roll across you and give you a healing uh, cure. I'm dying right now. Yeah, I'm done. Not following that idol. It ain't happening. Um, Unfortunately, this was prominent. I mean, people hooked into these things, and and you know, unfortunately, when what uh, John through what Christ is saying here is that uh, there's people amongst you in your church that are following this these idols that are following these doctrines. Um, Look at verse 13. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even in Satan's seat. And they're holding fast his name, and they haven't denied the faith. Um, They've had people martyred. We talked about Antipas being martyred. Maybe the pastor, maybe a leader. Eh, don't know. But uh, legend has it, or... or, um, they believe that Antipas was martyred inside one of those brazen bulls, a hollowed-out brazen bull, that they would put a fire underneath it, and it specifically had holes out the mouth so that as he agonized over the, his his death, this bull would be emitting this sound. Just horrible way to 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 be martyred, definitely, and. So that's how, you know, they they saw their leadership. They saw maybe even their pastor being martyred among them, but they still held fast. They still held the faith. And and Christ has given them credit for that. He said, you're doing the right things. Saying you're faithful in service. You live amongst one of the the worst places that there is. So much so that he says Satan's seat is there. Now what's that mean? I think it means that Satan's seat is there. (laughs) that Satan had a throne in Pergamos. Now, does that restrict him from having a throne somewhere else? No, I don't believe so. I think this is just one of the places he had a throne. And it was just an evil, evil places. We talked about places like Las Vegas. I could see that. I could see Satan having a throne amongst that city. Uh, Amsterdam, you know, these other places that are just, evil filled cities um, and they, they they face that but yet they were faithful but then in verse 14 but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them notice that thou hast there in your church them others you have people in your church that are following false idols and he mentions mentions Balaam, and we talked about well, what's the connection there? And we we mentioned the the Moabite king and how he looked for a for a prophet to curse Israel before he went to battle against them, and and he found Balak, and he said, you know, who who was basically a, a prophet for hire, and he said curse Israel, and Balak tried three times, and it just didn't work. Um, of course, you have the donkey story in there, too. Um, And then after three times, of course, uh, this king had paid him all this money to curse Israel, and he hadn't done it. So the king goes, you know, I paid you all this money, I've asked you to curse Israel, but you haven't done it, or I don't see this happening. And the prophet said, well, I mean, I can't really curse Israel because I'm a prophet, But I'll tell you how you can win. I'll tell you how you can beat Israel. Take the Moabite women and have them seduce the Israelite, the Jewish men. And then from there, just over time, they will wear down. Now that worked. That worked. Why did it work? Because they took these influences from Moab, brought them into Israel. And the men were just become kind of enamored with these over time. It began to water down their Jewish faith, which is a perfect picture for Pergamos. If you keep these people in your church that are working against what what the faith is and believe in things that aren't consistent with our faith, then they're going to wear you down. their their influences are going to start bringing you down you know and it's not that these people just attended the church as lost people no, they claim to be members that's the difference here they claim to be members, we want lost people to come to the church right Mm -hmm. yeah, we want lost people to come in and hear the gospel be convicted and be saved That's, that's our mission but the cautionary uh, point here is, that you have membership who claim membership, but yet believe and follow idols. Fifth column. I'm sorry. Fifth column. Yeah, you know they just they're not following scripture. Yeah, go ahead. Another thing that we need to understand is we're supposed to hold each other accountable, mm-hmm. so that if we see our brother sin, we're supposed to approach them. You know, and that's what they weren't doing. That's exactly and that's the, the that's the cause. They're, they were allowing this. And so it wasn't that they were doing it and we were trying to get them to stop, but they wouldn't stop. That's not the tale. the The story is they were doing it and the true followers aren't doing anything about it. Right. They're not going to them as brothers. They're not going to them as a church saying we can't have this as a part of our membership. And, you, and Christ is giving them... He's saying, you're doing these things. You can't have it. You have people in the church following the doctrines of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. You're being tolerant of the error. And then you got verse 16, where he says, well, here's what you need to do about it. What's the first word right there? Repent. Repent. You got to... You're. You guys... Have people in your church that are doing this, this, and this, and you're heading this direction, turn around, go another direction, take another approach to this, and deal with it. You've got to deal with it. If you don't deal with it, he says, I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. The sword of his mouth. What's the sword of his mouth? Look back to verse 12. These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Remember what we talked about that sword for just a few minutes even last week? That sharp sword with two edges is a sign that people would have recognized during this time as a a sort of judgment. I mean, the um, authorities would have carried this sword and if they saw you doing something wrong... They pull that as judgment and just... And it's two-edged. There's not a dull edge to it. It's sharp both ways. So these people would have immediately recognized that as, I'm going to come upon you quickly and will fight against you with this sword of judgment. Now, you remember those last week that were here for the reading in Ezekiel? When Pastor read about uh, Gog and Magog... Did you notice the word sword in there a lot? Yeah. Why? Judgment. Judgment. Anytime you see that word, you can go back to even Ezekiel and and others. When you look at that prophetically, he was saying, judgment's going to come upon these nations. Yeah. So that that seems kind of confusing to me or, or kind of odd that he has a, a sword for a tongue and I don't know that it necessarily means he sticks his tongue out it's a sword <laughs> but uh, if you think back to creation Jesus spoke Mm-hmm. The yeah. World. oh yeah yeah so with his tongue he can create something he can curse something he can Eliminate something? Yeah. So I, I, guess, I guess it works yeah. once you get past the picture. Oh, yeah. Well, Absolutely. It also states that it divides the soul and spirit, and yes. it divines what's in the heart. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so that we are held accountable for our, even our thoughts. Mm-hmm. All right? And those are going to come under judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you know, he's telling this church, get on it, fix this, or I'm going to have to get involved. And I'm not going to give you a lot of time. I'm not going to give you a lot of time here because the damage that can be done to the church is extensive and quick. It can it can hurt a church and hurt a church fast. He's saying, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. So he's saying, repent or face God's judgment. And, you know, of course, and then we have in uh, verse 17, He that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And we'll we'll get to the next part here in a second. But, um, so what were some of the other, you know, this time period, let's talk about the time period for a second. Do you remember one of the first weeks we talked about Revelation? One of my introductory classes, I talked about Constantine and about his... Uh, He had this dream with a cross in it, so he immediately, he was getting ready to go to battle, so he immediately thought, Christianity, I need to, I need to, this is a sign that I need to back Christianity to win a war. And and so he immediately kind of made Christianity um, the state religion, if you will. And in, in one way, we're like, yeah, Cool. I mean, we, all right, we finally get it. We're not being persecuted. We're not being martyred now. We're being lifted up. But did, was it for the right reasons, really? And you look at some of the compromising. Remember, we're dealing with a compromised church. What were some of the other compromises that occurred during that time? Uh, the event that launched during this period was what was called the Edict of Toleration by Rome, and it was through Constantine, which not only legalized Christianity, but also eventually made it, again, the official state religion of Rome. And again, you kind of read that, and you're like, "All right, good deal. This turned out to be both a blessing and a curse for Christianity, for it ended the persecution, but also began the compromise and corruption of Christianity. What were some of those compromises and corruptions? Well, um Constantine inherited this vast empire badly divided by the tribal and ethnic divisions. The empire consisted of a myriad of nations, peoples, languages and religions and he badly needed a unifying influence so he chose the religion of Christianity. He thought this is a religion that can bring people together. Not a bad summation really. I mean it's I think Christianity is that type of religion, right? Constantine proclaimed that he had been given this vision of a cross and message to conquer. Here we go. Here's some of the uh, compromises that began. Constantine offered gold to those who would become Christians and quickly flooded professing Christendom with multitudes of lost idol worshipers. Again, not, I mean, we got lost people coming into Christian churches yeah right. Are they doing it because they're broken and want saved? No, they're doing it to make the emperor happy and By the way, I can get some I get paid to do this right. Every pagan practice was accommodated and supposedly Christianized. We got all these lost people coming in because we want to kind of what do you say? We want to keep peace among everybody. I want to try to bring all these groups together. Well, the churches, how are we going to keep all these people happy and together? Well, they started allowing things that these lost people coming in, these idol worshipers, had in their practices. Uh, Idol temples, images, priests, priestesses, doctrines, and practices were named as Christian. Worship of the mother goddess and her child was renamed as the worshiped Of Mary and Christ heathens who were already accustomed to the near universal worship of the mother goddess and her child under different names in every city had no trouble adding the names of Mary and Jesus to this list that's where the influence of Mary began to grow amongst uh, this this group Mary began to be worshipped as the Queen of Heaven. Some practices were changed, but many practices continued unchanged into the new Roman Church. Here's some other unscriptural doctrines that were allowed into Christianity at this time prayers for the dead and making the sign of the cross, the worship of saints and angels, transubstantiation. The doctrine that the bread and the wine become the physical bread and blood. The doctrines of extreme unction and purgatory. So you can see at this time, you see now some of these practices that are Roman Catholic influenced actually came from this period during Constantine where he wanted to meld all these things together. And what happened is the Christian churches... Became compromised, started allowing this stuff in, and eventually broke off. And we have our Roman Catholic influences where a lot of that stuff came, and then holidays, all the saint days, you know, St. Patrick's, St. I mean, all that stuff came from pagan. Uh, influences that were allowed, and you still have people today that are like, "Well, I won't put up a Christmas tree because it comes from a pagan." Well, yeah, I get it, but uh, during that time, it would have been a uh, probably you wouldn't want to to do it because of the I mean, it was an immediate recognized symbol of a pagan influence. Nowadays, it's not. Over, unless somebody's really studied it out. People don't know of the influence nowadays, so that's transitioned. So I don't see any harm in putting up your Christmas tree here soon. But, you know, you can see where a lot of this stuff came from pagan influence. And a lot of it during this time of, of compromise. Compromise of these churches allowing things that they shouldn't have been allowing. Shouldn't have been doing it. Uh, membership, doing things openly. It's not that they were even trying to hide it. They're openly doing these things. So I spent some time yesterday, as I was studying, kind of wondering, what's a compromised church look like in our day-to-day? You really can't tell. I think you. Sh- I think you can actually, because remember, remember these things are, they're not doing them hidden. The membership are doing these things openly, and the other and you know nobody's doing anything about it. So I think you can tell. I think you can tell. So I watched three church services. I'll save you the trouble of doing this. Don't do it. Matter of fact, Cindy came home at one time. She goes, "What are you watching?" I watched a full. Joel Osteen service. Oh. I'd never done it. That is one happy man. One lost man. Um, there were very little scripture references. Yeah. And I wanted to go back and watch it again and count the number of times he said happy. <laughs> and I would have, I guarantee it was over 200 in a 30 minute sermon. I won't even call it a sermon. I don't think he had a Bible with him. There were some notes behind a podium, and he did most of the thing off the top of his head. And another thing I noticed, he never looked at anybody specific, like, you know, in the front rows. He was always looking at the camera. So for me, I mean, when I, I want to, how's my, I'm teaching to people here, right? Okay he to me that shows where his heart is is that camera but it was just yeah uh to me that's a compromised church no doubt um he had a small uh i don't you won't i don't even know if you want to call it a a uh, time at the end for you know he never questioned anybody's salvation salvation hardly ever came up he did have a prayer if you if you pray this with me real quick you're saved Uh, right at the end, but it, it was almost an afterthought to the whole thing. It was odd. It was odd watching it. So then I watched a service from a church out there called Church of the Rock. Don't Google it. Don't do it. This is a church for Easter and Christmas does Easter services, but as opposed to doing the actual... Um, people from Scripture, they'll do the service like dressed up as Batman and Robin. Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't watch this. Don't watch it. So I listened to the service he just had last week. Um, it was on a verse in James. He did put the verse up on screens. Again, he never opened a Bible. I never saw anybody in the services that had a Bible. Um. At one point, he says, he was teaching about overcoming adversity kind of thing. And he said, there's a book in the Bible that kind of explains this. He goes, it's called Job. But nobody's read it because it's 40 chapters. It's depressing. I I don't even recommend you read it. (laughs) He said, so instead, read the book, A No Good, Horrible, Bad Day, the children's book. He goes, it's the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, I was just like, "What? What did he just say?" You know. Um. What was that on? <laughs> yeah, this was on YouTube. You got—I mean, you can go to YouTube, and watch whatever you want. And then I watched. I knew I was going to forget his name. I just remembered it. Smiley Boy, from down in Texas. I knew I was gonna forget it. I don't it, but anyway, I'll, I'll remember it. And it just, just as is bad. Is it Benny Hinn? No, wasn't Benny Hinn. I didn't think about Benny Hinn. I don't think Benny Hinn's around much too much anymore. I don't know. Um, but uh, I spent about three hours, Robinson. and yeah, you don't want to do that. But there's some compromised churches out there. But you could so, you could see, and uh, the Church of the Rock, they had an invitation, sort of, but he goes, we're not going to single anybody out. We're all going to say a, a salvation prayer. That way, if you're doing it because of your salvation, uh, then you won't be singled out. We'll all do it with you. I mean, it's just, there are um compromised churches out there um to me these life churches they're compromised uh I, I don't even want to call them a church you know they they meet they I heard one time it was Easter Sunday and they had nachos Easter Sunday they were having nachos and this was the church here in Ponca they had nachos on Easter Sunday um so it just do, do they even have a preacher like the one yeah. at all <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I think screened. it's tele- screened. Yeah. 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 It's the largest church in America now. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one out streams out of Edmond and and goes all over. But what are the the characteristics? How do we know if we're becoming a compromised church? So here's here's a couple things I found doing some research. Um A failure to purpose in our hearts ahead of time to do the right thing. We're we're allowing things into the church that aren't the way they should be. If they're not preaching the gospel. I even heard that guy at the end of his service, Church of the Rock, he said, once you're saved, go find you a Bible teaching church. And I thought, wow, he's trying to kick his members out the door. That's what he said. I kind of giggled at that. You began to rationalize things going on in society. Well, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. And we want people to feel welcomed. And You begin to take grace and twist it. You know, well, you know, you're, you're we'll just grace. You know, we're going to show grace. Uh, you know, well, we're going to allow... Um, a member who is who comes to get saved but is outwardly homosexual on their website or something that we would allow that because well everybody sins and we're all saved by grace right yeah um you begin to you you can you start to allow that stuff and 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 you know being on um You know, we know, Uh, let's let's just be honest and frank, we're all adults. We've had instances in this church over the last years where we've had to take church disciplinary type action. Because, why? Because, well, leadership's mean. And pastor's just a mean guy. No, it's not. I can tell you he hates that stuff. I've seen him cry from two times in the pulpit. One time was an Easter message just uh, recently, and the other time was when we had to take church discipline on somebody. It was the only two times I've ever seen him cry in the pulpit. It breaks his heart. And before we get to that point, you guys, uh, there's months and months and months and months, sometimes a year worth of trying to bring somebody to a point of repentance so that they can get right and he's doing it to protect this church because once we start allowing things, the caution being from the church in Pergamos, once we, and and go back to the Moabite women coming in and influence the Jewish men, once you start allowing these things, there's a slippery slope to it, right? And even in today's society, it seems to be worse and worse. And because the things that are allowed today, I mean, none of us are that old in here. Go back to when you were, go back 10 years, it wasn't like that. Go back 20, it, it's even, I mean, it, it's just, it's crazy and uh, we have to be even more on guard i think so i've said in here several times i hope that i've said you know in teachings i hope that there's uh, a loving brother in here that if they saw me going down a path would come to me and say you need to get right or that you know same way with the ladies that if you know you got the wrong influence, read the wrong book. I mean, Pastor said it just last week. He's seen people just read the wrong paragraph or something in a book and get just turned away from true doctrine. I've seen churches, and I've heard of churches, splitting over uh, the doctrine of whether Jesus should be called God. And they've split over that doctrine. I mean, I hope that there's people in this church. I believe there is. I believe there is people in this church that, if they saw something, would would go to a a, a brother lovingly, right, with the right spirit, and say, "We need to talk. I'm worried about you. Um, you're going down the wrong path because eventually, if it doesn't get fixed," We're a church that has to protect our our flock. And we can't allow those things to be open. Pergamus, Jesus said, I'm going to come against you if you don't fix it. I wouldn't want Jesus coming against our church and the spirit being lost. There's a spirit here that's just amazing. I've heard it from visitors when they walk in. They just feel like just, there's just something different about this church. Those that have came from other churches that that are like, you know, my previous church, you could tell it lost the spirit. And I come here and I feel it again. Look at our church services. Just last week in a building, in a leadership, we talked about we've established a building committee. We haven't paid this one off yet, and we're already having to talk about how we're going to expand. I mean, it is... It's a great time at Central Baptist Church. But it doesn't come by accident. There's work being done behind the scenes and not just work in establishing ministries, but work in keeping our membership pure. in the right pure. And all these other these other churches, another thought I had real quick and they talk about you know, this guy who kinda of made fun of Job. Don't read it, it's too long and it's depressing. You know what? <coughs> That book's holy. Uh, we come to church, we should be. James. James. We should be. When we enter this building, it's a holy building, is it not? When we walk in the sanctuary, that's a holy place. James. Uh, it's a holy place. That's why we drink our coffee in here, but we don't do it in the sanctuary. It's a holy place. We should have reverence in there. Um, and these guys who mock, in my opinion, mock the Bible by by, the, by their preaching, they're not treating it as a holy worship, to go in there and worship a holy God. And I think that's another, to me that's a big indicator. When you walk into a church, are you feeling like they're given proper reverence? to God in that place. I mean, um, it's just, it's a cautionary tale for us. As we as we go through, I, I got to admit, as I'm going through these churches, it's it's been a great study for me so far. I've really kind of dug into some of these, and, and I think it's not by accident that we can look at each one of these churches and see things. These churches represent churches of today, even. They were actual churches, but they represent churches of today and they represent the dangers of where uh, our church we don't want to be we don't want to be there so let's have a word of prayer and then we will go down to services brother ken you want to do that please Yes, sir for heavenly father lord we thank you so much for.